0: This is The After Party, live with Jim McAllister and John Daly. Oh, this is a good one. This is a good one. I can feel it. I I think I can feel it.
1: It's going to be amazing. Absolutely amazing. Welcome. Uh, It's one of those days where, you know, the, the winter break for school is coming up, and there's not enough hours in the day to get everything done that needs to be done. So.
0: You know what I, I really love about being an adult, single adult, is having school and, like, winter breaks yeah. and summer breaks and all that in my past.
1: In the rear view, yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. I'm on
0: break whenever I sip on coffee.
1: Julia's had finals week. It's our first week of finals in high school. I feel like your
0: semester just started. You were going to the back to school thing.
1: Right. Doesn't it? It whips past. I mean, I'm sure I kind of figured when high school started that I would blink and she would be a senior.
0: Kind of like the first season of the after party. It's been since August 1st.
1: Look at us go.
0: Yeah. And you know how we're able to go because there are generous people. Mm -hmm. Like we just had a contribution in the uh, two and three in the wow, chat room. Really Pauline cool. for starting us out with $20. Oh, Pauline, thank you very much for that contribution. Happy holidays, John and Kim. Happy holidays, Pauline. Happy and then Doug Koch you. with okay. $5, oh, our ongoing oh, contributor. Thank oh, you. Nice the
1: show. So kind, really. And then wow, Aussie Rules. Merry oh, Christmas, me. John and Kim. Oh, yeah, and yeah, Merry $10. Christmas to you, really.
0: And it gets... It just keeps going. We also had right before the show a 100 dollar <gasps> contribution from js js wow wow thank you that's really going to make up for the um the really slump nice. in, uh, yeah. in the uh, revenue this month
1: thank really, you so really really nice allow us to keep going with the show gives me which, hope it gives yeah, me hope i do and i have a lot of fun doing the show with you so i'd like it to keep going and i really appreciate everybody you, contributing how do you Says Walter. Absolutely. Um, I love how you guys are thanking each other, too. That's really nice. Love it. And Yeehaw. I say, you know, not everybody can contribute, and I totally get that. And I just appreciate you spending Some time. Some days I that. feel like
0: I can't really contribute.
1: <laughs> Some days me too. I don't know. All right. Well, let's jump into it because um, we have a story about a loose goat that oh, got last food in the Minnesota If there's an area. animal I love
0: almost as much as cats. It's goats, goats especially really? baby baby goats. They're so cute, oh, and they make the weirdest we noise. And they look they look kind of evil, you know. <laughs> Baphomet, remember? Uh, I always want to say Bath Same as Baphomet. Satan's Baphomet,
1: goat. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: bath <laughs> Yeah. Um. So this is a, a a loose goat in a Minnesota neighborhood.
1: You better not make fun of the name, or you're going straight to hell. <laughs> I'm okay with that, Kim. <laughs> I need all the recruits I can. It's a slow period of the year because everyone's doing good everyone who's on the naughty list you know they're trying to make up for their best teams so yeah I, i'll take everyone i can get
0: <laughs> uh this goat uh, according to a minnesota sheriff's De- uh, department deputy was assisting the local police department right and so this sheriff's deputy was showing off his cowboy skills um as uh because you know it's a regular police department they're not equipped for this right so they got a they got a sheriff deputy <laughs> that's the closest i have to a lasso um who's uh apparently good with lassoing this is the olmstead county sheriffs in uh, minnesota and um they took to social media to say that deputy tyler hayden a self-dispatch to help the Rochester police with a goat running loose in a residential neighborhood. You ready to take a look?
1: I'm ready. To show it. Let's see Okay. It.
0: This is a long video, so we can talk through it. Okay. On a cold oh. and wet Sunday in southeast Minnesota, <laughs> he's got his lasso going, uh, Olmsted County Deputy Hayden self-dispatch to Rochester.
1: He looks like he knows his way around a rope.
0: Yeah. Yeehaw. To assist the Rochester police in capturing this goat.
1: I wonder if they called him out special. He's like, somebody call his deputy. He's good. And he, and he got- stopped
0: at Leashes and Leeds to borrow a rope. You oh. Know, so he could show off a little hidden talent of his. his here's the uh, the goats kind of uh, between houses here. Come here, little feller. Oh, he's jumping back and forth. And he runs towards the front. And lasso. And do we have contact? Look at that. Lassoed. He's got the guy.
1: You <laughs> can't do that with suspects, right? Just <laughs> like lasso them around the legs and Aren't pull they, him on they're and working
0: on that technology though
1: they are they are working on that that's cool it's uh, it's not something that people probably learned in the academy so
0: no see and the other police department i mean you know, the police officers show up oh here's from another angle
1: he's like i he already got them. him don't worry about it
0: yeah the police officers are it's like done. wow i'm glad i didn't have to take care of that yeah uh, so Aww. there he is animal uh, control arrived to take the little critter and they um matched him back up with his owner
1: He was probably scared. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Well, let's go to a rescue because we have this little donkey that got stuck in a drainage ditch. Once again, these guys get stuck and the people come to the rescue, humans doing good, and they rescue him from this drainage ditch. Oh, jeez. Northern Ireland, where the Fire and Rescue Service came to the rescue of a small donkey named Snowy. Snowy got stranded in a muddy drainage ditch and... Uh, they responded to an incident involving this donkey they had to use straps and a small digger to hoist him out to safety and I hate they to didn't... say it but
0: it kind of looks like a dead body maybe i've not watching oh, too much
1: tv no he's just down <laughs> for the count he's just in the he's in the in the restraints i think um Aww. he was treated to some ginger nut cookies by the rescuers who came prepared there they are feeding him the ginger nut cookies and uh, the owner's thanking the rescuers for saving Snowy. She's since been warmed up, dried off, and treated for her injuries that she fared very well overnight and is much happier now. So, well Aww. done, Snowy. Very you
0: cute. You can see
1: Snowy is named so because she's white, but she's she looks kind of pretty raggedy after her drainage ditch encounter.
0: Yeah, a little dirty. Yeah, yeah. Okay, on to the news. Um, Small cities and towns are getting safer while violent crime in larger cities is on the rise. Uh, Crime takes its toll on communities, not just emotionally, but also economically, in addition to direct costs from loss of property, services for victims and policing and corrections. Residents of higher crime locales often pay higher taxes, Um, rates on car insurance, home insurance, Mm -hmm. renter's insurance. Seeking respite in America's smaller cities and towns has its appeal but how much safer are small towns really? MoneyGeek analyzed crime statistics by quantifying the cost of crime and ranking over a thousand small cities and towns nationwide in every state. Data on violent crimes such as murder, rape, aggravated assault are included, as well as property crimes such as burglaries and car thefts. Uh, this analysis is conducted annually and follows Mo- MoneyGeek's ranking of the safe- safest cities in America. The key findings, the safest town in the U.S. is Monroe Township, located in New Jersey's Middlesex. County, a suburb of New York. The average cost of crime in small cities was 1,155 per capita in 2022. Violent crime costs over 1,000 per capita, while property crime costs an average of $132. For context, violent crime accounted for almost 14% of all crime analyzed within the study, while property crime accounted for 86%. Overall, small cities and towns have 48% lower crime costs than larger cities. Small uh, Some small towns still bear costs of crime comparable to large cities. Monroe, Louisiana has a higher crime cost per capita than 297 Mm -hmm. of the 302 large cities analyzed. So you do not want to move to Monroe, Louisiana. Similarly, New York City has a crime uh, cost comparable to two Arkansas cities, Springdale and Benton. Um, So not as bad as you'd think. Uh, Some California cities here, there's two. Uh, First in Southern California, Rancho Santa Margarita, Mm -hmm. uh, tied for number 10, crime cost per capita, $81. And Danville, here in the East Bay, ranked, yeah. came in at number 14 with a crime cost per capita of $84. Wow. Yeah. So All more right. than 50 million Americans live in small cities and towns. But, you know, it's, um, I don't know. I don't know. Would you move? Well, what, you're what in a relatively con- small what city. What do
1: they consider a small city? Because is 70,000 people small? Uh,
0: relatively speaking, yeah. I don't think hmm. so. Yeah, I don't think they actually define small city. Um, We'll call Petalum a small, medium.
1: Well, I still won't leave my purse in my car when I walk away from it. I mean, I'm still locking my doors at night. So, you know, got to be smart about it. It
0: looks like uh, some of these cities that they're mentioning are like 36,000. So they're a little smaller. Yeah. I'd I'd say Petalum is like a medium city.
1: Well, you know what wasn't safe? The Slim Jim Fast Meat Car. (laughs) Look at it there.
0: I'm sorry, the what?
1: (laughs) So you know what Slim Jims are that the kind Unfortunately. of. The, yeah. The tubes of meat that's wrapped in plastic. And usually you find it at 7-Eleven mm, or wherever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they have this kind of like along the lines of the Wienermobile. They have a car as well. And it's called the Fast Meat Car. Fast Meat. It says Slim Jim on the door, but they call it right. Fast Meat. It's a custom Nissan Z. That term with- could
0: apply to a lot of things. You know. <laughs> yes, it could. German trailers on the side of the highway. <laughs>
1: Hello. Um, This is a Nissan Z. It's wrapped with Slim Jim branding. It was made with a a part of a partnership with a world wrestling entertainment. And in the recent few weeks, it's been traveling across the country for WWE events. And it made a recent stop in Chicago for the Survivor Series event. It has um, been appearing in commercials with WWE superstar LA Knight, who tells viewers to snap into a Slim Jim Um, Anyway, it was routed to Los Angeles for a custom video shoot, Um, but it got stolen. The company says it got ripped off. It was supposedly last seen in Los Angeles County. They didn't give a, a specific location. The police report has even been redacted. The company is asking anyone who may have spotted this vehicle to contact authorities. They say, we knew we had something special with our custom car, but we had no idea it would be in such demand that someone would steal it. We continue to work closely with the authorities and ask anyone if they spot it to report it to the Los Angeles Police Department. This car was designed by an iconic custom auto shop in Hollywood. I thought you you were going to say it
0: was designed to be stolen.
1: No, well, apparently it was. They, someone took it and used its speed, its fast meat status to get away. Yeah,
0: that's your demographic.
1: It's got um, the Slim Jim branded wrap, custom yellow in leather interior, uh, LED lighting underneath the car, and both a Slim Jim dispenser and a Slim Jim holder inside of the car.
0: It kind of looks, <laughs> looks like a combination of a Lay's potato bag, a potato chip bag, and uh, yeah. Cheeto, and Cheetos
1: fast meat sayonara sucker you're out yeah no thank you Mm. next (laughs) you know Um, before you move on i will say there's some scuttlebutt that this might be a pr stunt and that maybe the slim jim car wasn't stolen mm. and maybe it's a viral marketing trying to trick news agencies into putting this this story out well if that's
0: the case consider yourself tricked
1: trick Mm. there we go Mm -hmm. trick or treat (laughs) <laughs> uh, this is
0: incredible. An unusual glow observed in California's Tahoe Basin. Did you What say this? is it? Check,
1: wow. Check this out.
0: Yeah, this is pretty cool. Michael Kennedy was watching the sunrise from his home in California's Olympic Valley near the Palisades Tahoe Ski Resort on December 13th when he saw a spectacular glow rising from the mountain. I'm sitting at my desk and my desk faces the post office in Olympic Valley. And to the right of me on the mountain, the sun was coming up and bursting. A beam of light, he told the SF gate over the phone. Ah, uh, this beam of light went straight up and formed into a fountain, like a funnel. Kennedy said the glow was shaped like a chalice, and he's calling what he observed a cosmic chalice. Others who okay. saw his photos of the glow said it looked like a martini glass. That's true. <laughs> As a former bartender, I can I, I can relate. It's funny it that was...
1: you guys go boozy because I look at that and you know I'm not very religious, but I think that's God. That looks like God oh, shining. I thought you were gonna say butt, I thought you were
0: gonna say butt cheeks. What? See, I, see, I thought Kim and I went in a different direction.
1: What do you mean, butt cheeks? The dark blue. Oh, I see what you're saying.
0: Yeah, with
1: the light in the middle being the crack. Mm I'm
0: thinking
1: it's God, and you're thinking it's it's the. It's a magical
0: glowing butthole. That's right. (laughs) We may have just been demonetized, but it was worth it.
1: I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Uh, it lasted for
0: a few minutes, and then it was gone. Isn't that the truth? (laughs) Um, National Weather Service meteorologist Brian Brong. That's, a, that's an interesting name. Um, reviewed uh, Kennedy's video and photos and told SFK that it shows the top of a halo of light that can occur around or near the sun or the moon when light is refracted by ice crystals or moisture suspended in cirrus clouds. Those wow. wispy clouds that form in higher levels at the atmosphere um, of the atmosphere around 25,000 to 30,000 feet. Okay. The scientific term for the light that can appear at the top of the halo is an upper tangent arc. I love so, it. I think that's halos are cool. fairly common. This would have been a halo above the sun. Uh, it's essentially the sunlight going through ice crystals or clouds. So
1: that's cool. really awesome. And now all I can see is butt cheeks. So you're welcome. For Thank you. <laughs> that's okay to say you're welcome. Um, <laughs> Guy Fieri, he apparently is making his kids work for the money that he is leaving them or may leave them. He's got a pretty big fortune. And he is apparently carrying around about $100 million. I mean, on the
0: one hand, it's like you're born. It's like a lottery. You're born into this family with all this money. But on on the other hand, your father is Guy Fieri. Well, the troll from the TV shows with the bleached he's hair.
1: Nice. He's you know he does a lot for the for the community in the North Bay.
0: Allegedly, I know some two people that had, worked for. I know two people worked for him in a restaurant really? setting, and he was not nice to them. So well,
1: he's gives back to the community. He's out image. there barbecuing during wildfires and whatever. PR else. image. Okay, saying. well, There's he told his size. kids when you, he said when I die, you can expect that I'm gonna die broke and that you're going to be paying for the funeral. And I told my boys, none of this that I've been building are you going to get unless you come and you take it from me. (laughs) (laughs) And he quotes Shaq. He said, Shaq said it best. If you want this cheese, you got to get two degrees. He said, well, my two degrees mean postgraduate. So they're on their way. So he's having his kids say, listen, if you want to be considered for anything with me, then you're going to need to go get a master's or a doctorate or something else. When
0: his is, eldest has, um, I think he's graduating with an MBA already. already yeah, he has one
1: from the University of Miami. But I, I mean, like that the
0: younger son's like, Dad, I'm in high school. Can you can I just yeah, focus on my bachelor's degree? His younger son
1: is in high school. That's right. He said it's so unfair. I haven't even gone to college yet, and you're already pushing that yeah. I've got to get an MBA. Can I just get through college first? Come on. I,
0: I think um, I think one degree is enough. I, and even I, what if what if they wanted to go the you know the trade route?
1: I think you know. that's excessive. I mean, you can be successful and not have your MBA or your a doctorate. Yeah. I don't know. I mean I, you, I who think knows? I would have a
0: rule like you can't just do nothing. You have to actually right. do something, right?
1: Well, what you don't want is to have your kids and I know, you know, rich people problems, right? Does yeah. he
0: have two degrees? I don't think so. You know, Calvin, he may not have two degrees, but he's the mayor of Flavortown. He's
1: the mayor of Flavortown. But he and he might have kids that have excellent abilities and he wants to try to push them. But I was saying, I think the thing you don't want when you have a lot of money is to then have kids that feel they can just coast through life because they have your cash and never really make anything of themselves or give back to society because that's not necessarily a happy life. Or what if you have a lot of money and then, you know, your kids go to these fancy prep schools where there's all kinds of drugs being passed around and then you, you don't want a this... Kim
0: Kardashian or No, a, uh, so
1: I like, I kind of see what he's trying to do here. And right. again, maybe his kids are the, are the type of kids where you're like, yeah, you're, you know, if you push yourself, you can get a doctorate or you can go into these, these fields. Maybe he wants his kids to do, you know, better education wise than he did, perhaps. Well,
0: you know, the know. younger son, since the older, the elder son already has two degrees, you know, the younger son's like, like, oh, man, I have to get two degrees.
1: Well, now I'm not, yeah, not going to miss out. Or maybe the brother's like, listen, I got my two degrees. So when he kicks off, I'll give you your half. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But that's kind of I don't know. That's a little harsh for me. But whatever. It works for them. So right. on. Yeah,
0: we get the idea. It is Um,
1: the season for package theft.
0: Stealing packages. Mm. So lame. Um, Yeah, that's right. UPS is using artificial intelligence to um, fight against package theft. An estimated 260 million packages disappear in the U.S. every year. Um, Or at least last year. 260 million packages. That's... I mean, that's not as many people as are in the U.S., but it's competitive. <laughs> <laughs> many, uh, what, is there's 300-something million people in the country? Um, according to SafeWise, many taken right from the front door area while camera recorded the theft. That, that's what I don't get. It's like, mm. come on, dude. As the holiday season kicks into high gear, package theft is a top concern. And one shipping company is using, using artificial intelligence to combat porch pirates. Nearly one in four adults had a package stolen in the last 12 months. Um, theft can be even more serious of a problem if those packages contain necessities like medication or expensive items. This time of the year we ship a lot of gifts so every package is very special to the person receiving it Uh, according to the president of Texas Precious Metals whose company ships items like gold bars and silver coins. Whoa, I hope those have insurance on them. This year they're using a new UPS data program called Delivery Defense which they say helps identify addresses that are likely targets for theft. Um, Although I think I think you probably know if your address is a likely target, right? Oh, UPS yeah. gave CBS a look at the how the program works. The AI-powered program takes a recipient's address and produces a score. A higher score indicates a higher likelihood of a successful delivery. delivery. The huh. scores are created using years of data from previous deliveries and other factors. For addresses with a low score, the merchant can reroute the item with the customer's approval to a UPS store or another pickup location. Uh, About 2% of addresses will be considered low confidence, and we're seeing that that represents about 30% of losses that our customers are having, according to uh, UPS.
1: All right. At least they're doing something to fight it. That's what I like. Yeah. We're going to Disneyland. Let's head there right now. They've been working on... Oh, boy. Tiana's Bayou Adventure. And now we're getting the first pictures of what it will look like. It kind of looks to me a little bit... Pirates of the Caribbean-ish. I don't know. But a look inside this attraction shows imagineers working on a scene that has an old cabin, a magnolia tree, and tall grassy fields all set against a night sky background. It's it kind of looks cool like they just looking. um
0: they yeah. haven't been like mowing the grass.
1: No. Well, it's supposed to have that, you know, windswept look, I guess. Um, yeah, a lot of Disney fans are saying it looks a little bit like the pirates of the Caribbean. And that is another boat ride.
0: You say Caribbean instead of Caribbean.
1: Well, I think I go back and forth, but both are correct. Um, They pass on the pirates of the Caribbean Caribbean. They pass but old cabins, boats and greenery before going down the waterfall. So it's not clear whether this footage was filmed in Anaheim or in Florida, but both attractions are expected to be nearly identical. Disneyland and Disney World closed the Splash Mountain attraction earlier this year so Imagineers could transform this very criticized ride because of its history there into a princess and frog themed attraction. The storyline of Tiana's Bayou Adventure picks up where the animated movie left off. They're creating an original next chapter story for Tiana with the attraction Line in the line, guests will discover that she continues to grow her business with Tiana's Foods and employee owned cooperative. Combining her talents with those of the local community, Tiana transforms an aging salt mine and she builds a beloved brand as well. So it's interesting what they're trying to do here. And I think it looks like it's going to be as, as fun or as cool as the Pirates of the Caribbean. So yeah, and
0: awesome. then they jump you out into Tiana's store and they say bye bye uh, bye.
1: Here's the salt. Buy the food. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. Nick is saying that's why people just call it pirates.
1: <laughs> pirates, exactly.
0: Okay, let's uh, go this,
1: Berkeley because I yeah. love this story. This is so interesting. This thing wandering around campus. What is going on?
0: Yeah, this is a human-sized robot that taught itself to walk and balance, and then strolled Berkeley streets. UC Berkeley's uh, landmark Sather Gate has welcomed walkers of all kinds for more than a century, from angry protesters to students hurrying to class. Last month, though, an entirely new pedestrian passed through the gates. Um, There's no need to run if you spot this five-foot-tall ambling toward you. It's not a militarized escapee from 2004's iRobot. Rather, it's this blind teal blue bipped. Uh, I'm sorry. This blind teal blue bipped is... a Oh, biped. I I was like, what? They didn't put a... a (laughs) What are you
1: trying to say?
0: (laughs) I know, me too. Uh, I I thought there would be like a hyphen there, biped. Sorry. My bad. I'm sorry. It's a project of UC Berkeley scientists testing artificial intelligence. I just need regular intelligence this morning um, on the physical world. Researchers on the project aim to develop better controls for humanoid robots by teaching them to walk um, almost from scratch. Uh, Can they teach me to talk? Uh, Their robot spent uh, 2023 strutting around Berkeley, taking its short, crisp steps in Edwards uh, Stadium's grass in front of the campus landmarks like Campanile, alongside city roads at present. It can't go up or down stairs. So that's how you that's how you get away from it.
1: I was reading it also can't see, which is interesting. So if it walks into something. You know, it, it it can't really function. And it also is very slow moving. Yeah, that, I was it gonna say, more... that sounds like
0: a legal liability. If it can't see, what if it injures somebody?
1: I think people see it coming. And most people crowd around and watch it because it's right. so interesting. Unless yeah. there's a
0: blind student. <laughs> In a report about the project's findings published December 14th, the research team wrote that the adaptability is the key to making a robot useful. Uh, current technology, though, is inflexible and limits a robot's ability to navigate obstacles. Humanoid robots that can autonomously operate in diverse environments have the potential to help address labor shortages in factories. Oh, there we go. (laughs) Assist elderly uh, at homes and colonize new planets. Here we present a fully uh, learning-based approach for real-world humanoid locomotion. So there you go.
1: That'd be really interesting. What would happen if we sent a bunch of these humanoid robots, you know, on a spaceship to colonize some far off planet and build things and build structures for us so that eventually if we needed it, we'd have a little, you know, society all set up for us. A society of, give a white cane. of yeah. blind
0: robots. Yeah. Walter yeah. says they should give it a white cane.
1: Oh man. It's interesting though. And I'm sure it attracts a lot of attention around campus. John Two Watson with a very students. good question. Did the Bible people there behind it try to convert it?
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Try to convert, them. yeah, you see them on the right-hand side, Yeah, religious people. Uh, yeah, yeah probably try to convert them to AC from DC.
1: Oh, that's funny. All right, let's move to Arkansas. No. And- <laughs> what? <laughs> we're not really moving to Arkansas. We're moving to a story in Arkansas. Look at that chunk of okay, something. Okay,
0: maybe we're moving to Arkansas.
1: Arkansas has this um, park called the Crater of Diamonds State Park.
0: It's, it's right there and- in the name.
1: When you go there, you can search for diamonds. And so this man did. And he found this thing. It's 4.87 carats. It is the largest to be found in about three years. It was discovered at the Crater of Diamonds State Park in Murfreesboro earlier this year. Ten minutes after Jerry Evans entered Arkansas's Crater of Diamonds State Park for the first time, he made this discovery without even knowing. How
0: many minutes did you say?
1: uh 10 10 minutes Mm -hmm. he goes in with his girlfriend he picks up what he thinks is a clear piece of glass from the top of a ridge that's plowed and without giving it any extra thought he put it in his pocket with other things that he picked up during his visit he said i thought it might be a piece of glass it was really clear so i didn't know he said we were picking up everything thinking it was a diamond But he kept thinking about the clear glass and wondered if it could be something more. So eventually, he sends the stone to the Gemological Institute of America for identification. A few weeks later, he's told this small item has been identified as a near-colorless diamond. So when they called, he said, and told me it was real. I was tickled to death. The diamond, which the owner has named the Evans Diamond, is about the size of a jelly bean, and it's shaped like a pyramid. Mm hmm. Yeah. Pretty cool. I don't know um, if I
0: would trust like sending it off to some like through the mail to some organization. Why don't you just take it down to like a jeweler? That's
1: what, that's what I would have done. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, this they say at the Crater of Diamond State Park is the first time someone has called us to t- to say we've had a diamond identified by the GIA, which is the Gemological Institute right. of America or some such. Uh, They say, we're glad Mr. Evans was able to bring his historic diamond back to the park to have it officially registered. Evans' discovery is the largest find registered at the park since a 9.07 carat brown diamond was found on Labor Day of 2020. This one, a complete crystal with a brilliant white color reminiscent of many other large white diamonds uh, they've seen in the past.
0: Is there anything um, keeping people from just like living there 24-7? I don't
1: know. But they say about 798 diamonds, totaling more than 125 carats, have been registered at the Crater of Diamonds State Park since 2023. More than 75,000 diamonds have been unearthed there since before it became a state park. uh, And that was 1972. So pretty cool. The largest one that was discovered there? 40.23 Forty point twenty three carats. It was. Uh, it's called the Uncle Sam, and it's the largest diamond ever discovered in the United States. It was. Didn't found... we do
0: a story about a kid who found one there?
1: Yeah, we did. As a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I'm telling you, you just spend your day there. Right? You do, if especially this, if you're retired. Just spend and you things.
1: read the story before you go because it has all kinds of tips for finding diamonds and where they might be and how best you can you can get in and find them. And if you find it, you it's finder's keepers. You get to
0: yeah, keep. Yeah, Calvin that. says I'm going on. A, I'm going to book a trip there.
1: Are you really? Well, then go for it. Make sure you uh, here. I'll I'll actually put this link in the chat for you because if you're going, read the story so that you get the information. You want the skinny so you can find your diamond. All right. And
0: while uh, while you do that, let's uh, move on to this next story. It's about calling in sick. Um, do you do you, are, are you were you hesitant to call in sick? Always. Yeah. Even though you realize it's bad, especially during co- I kind of changed during COVID because I did, if, too. Even if I had the cough like that wasn't COVID, I didn't want people to think I had COVID. Right. There was a lot I... of like people looking around. Uh-oh. I was raised
1: with this attitude. Buck up, buttercup. You're going. Unless you're bleeding from the eyes, yeah. you need to get your stuff done.
0: Well, here's the problem. Embarrassed by your cough, sick shaming has led to the overuse of cold medicine. At the height of the pandemic, Meg McNamara.
1: I'm sorry. I don't mean to make fun of you. Trust me. i have okay. had the I'm worst a rough crime- day. I had the worst time speaking today too, so it's, we're it's a it's contagious.
0: We'll call her Meg. Meg's uh, <laughs> shut up, Meg. Meg's employer sent her home with symptoms that looked a lot like COVID, but she knew better. A negative COVID test proved that the th- 37-year-old's coughs and red eyes were just her usual al- allergies. Determined not to be wrongly accused again, um, she's a New York-based physician's assistant. She turned to over-the-counter medication. She started popping Benadryl every morning to mask her symptoms, but that caused other problems. It was a nasty experience, she said. She suffered from drowsiness, side effect of Benadryl, of course. I'm always tired. For me, having a little bit of fatigue in my life is just not acceptable. As the pandemic has receded, um, Meg is emblematic of the dilemma facing Americans. They're under pressure to show up for work and social gatherings, yet even the hint of a sniffle can be enough to brand somebody as an outcast. To cope with these dueling obligations, they're using more cold and allergy medications to cope and potentially over treating themselves in the process. In the U.S., sales of upper respiratory over-the-counter medications rose 23% to $11.8 billion in the 52 weeks through early December from the same period in 2019 before the pandemic. Cold and flu treatments, which make up about a quarter of the category, grew faster with a 30% gain, much to the benefit of OTC producers, um, the makers of Mucinex, uh, makers of VIX, Dayquil. Um, at Kenview, which spun out, was spun off from Johnson & Johnson earlier this year, over-the-counter drugs uh, such as Zyrtec and Benadryl and decongestant Sudafed generate about 40% of revenue. Um, sales at the division housing those brands rose 10% to $4.9 billion in the first uh, nine months of the year. Good news from the story is I have uh, Johnson & Johnson stock in Kenview, so... Um, <laughs> Thank you for buying the uh, medication.
1: I could see why people would want to cover up their sniffles right. and cold after COVID, and especially that physician's assistant. Like, if you're going to a doctor's office, yeah, nobody wants to have the person that's examining you get up close with the sniffles and a cough. Like, you don't want to go to the doctor's office or the hospital and get sick because you went there, right? Right. So I understand, and even like. I'm guilty of this where if I'm at, where was I? I was at Julia's band high school band concert was last night and there you are sitting in there and all around you, you can hear people coughing, sniffing, right. and you're thinking, oh God, here I am. I'm at a super spreader event, right?
0: Walter makes a, a good point. I noticed that there's no place on the graph that says pandemic ends.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's a yeah, you're right. Pandemic begins. And there we are in perpetuity.
0: No. Uh, well, no. it's time to take a break. You ready?
1: Oh, I am. I, when we come back, we're going to talk about millennial snackers and how they actually might be helping the economy for some businesses. We'll also talk about um, trivia because we have coming up for you the world history of holidays trivia or traditions around the world trivia so we'll get to that that is all coming up next on the after party and it's live
0: the after party live is underwritten by our audience and without you this show wouldn't be possible for a dollar a day you could help feed a very moody three-year-old cat with a taste for turkey and chicken every day across this world cats go 30 minutes without food and don't know where to turn any dollar amount is appreciated and it all adds up The PayPal link can be found in the About section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. Thank you for your consideration. Are you hungry? You want food? A party where you don't even have to leave the house. You could be naked for all we care. The After Party, live.
1: Oh, Archie, that's really funny.
0: Yeah, I have to give credit to Archie. That was done in one take.
1: Really? With the meowing and everything?
0: Everything. That was 100% straight through one take. He what? is a professional.
1: Archie. Archie yeah. rocks. That was really funny. I love that he participated in that. I feel like he's part of the show now. Yeah. Some people don't believe
0: me that he, yeah. he talks. Oh, no, he talks. Trust me. He talks.
1: That's really funny. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. I love that you're coming up with these this week. Yeah, no, that was tough. I was.
0: <laughs> I need one more idea. Just need one more idea and then it's over.
1: All right, let's get to the trivia. It is Oh no, let's
0: thank thank our contributors.
1: Oh, let's thank the people first. Let's thank them very much because uh J- ongoing con- a new contributor, JS. Yes, an ongoing contributor, Square, Paul T. Deidre L. and Robin F. We are so grateful to you guys for your support of the After Party Live. Honestly, Pauline C. You're popping in with a lovely message and $20 for us. Thank you. Doug Koch with $5. Thank you so much, Doug. Uh, Aussie Rules, $10. Merry Christmas to you too, Aussie Rules. And this just (laughs) in
0: from Karen Cooper for Archie, $2.
1: $2 for Archie's meal tonight. Thank you, Karen. That's really sweet. Archie says thank you. We really appreciate that.
0: He's taking a nap next to me.
1: All right, let's talk, I promise we do the story. So let's talk about millennial snackers. Because millennials apparently with the munchies are driving late night sales at Taco Bell and Whataburger and fast food restaurants are seeing a surge in traffic now when most people are done eating for the day.
0: Between 9
1: p.m. and midnight, there is a surge going on. Taco Bell, Whataburger, In-N-Out, other fast food restaurants late at night, hungry millennials and older Gen Z diners are looking to curb their cravings while they're bar hopping apparently. Wendy's started making a push into the night owl market in May. They've extended their hours at several locations in some places until four in the morning. Uh, Late night was a big bet that fast food places did uh, knowing customers were looking for better options late at night. And they're saying this has paid off in the face of economic uncertainty And inflation, one sector of the fast food industry is continuing to grow and that is late night dining. While overall visits to fast food restaurants fell by 2.4% year over year in the third quarter, the share of customers going to popular quick service chains like Taco Bell and Pizza Hut between 9pm and midnight spiked. Uh, Whataburger saw the largest share of diners late in the evening, 28% of its total sales during the third quarter came from late night visits compared with a little more than 23% during the same months in 2019 in and out 26% of its traffic comes from late night diners in the third quarter compared to 19% in the same period four years ago.
0: Yeah. When I leave um, Petaluma, yeah. usually around 10 o'clock at night on Sundays, mm-hmm. um, there's a line. Like out the parking lot at like 10 o'clock at on yeah. Sunday. Yeah.
1: It's popular. So yeah, they got the munchies late at night and apparently that's where they're headed.
0: Very cool. Do you want to do some entertainment headlines quickly?
1: I do, but I have to sneeze.
0: Okay. Well, you sneeze and I'll do this. Warner Brothers, Discovery, and uh, Paramount Global are in merger talks. So the two companies have held talks about a potential merger and the two media companies um, uh, have confirmed that to Variety. Uh, the two presidents of the companies uh, met for a lunch meeting Tuesday in New York where they discussed a possible uh, merger. Uh, they, the head of um, uh, Discovery, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, also talked with Sherry Redstone. She She's the uh, owner of National Amusements, which owns Paramount, or a controlling interest in Paramount. Um, the reps for the company are declining to uh, talk about it. But in terms of a possible merger, could not be learned. Both companies have enlisted bankers, but the status of the talks are very preliminary um you know they they need to compete with disney and netflix so anyway i just thought we'd mention that quickly so warner brothers and paramount in talks to merge
1: that's a big thing
0: yeah that's a lot yeah. of white privilege on the screen all at once
1: <laughs> look at that white
0: male, white male privilege
1: uh you know this actress <laughs> her name is taraji p henson
0: yeah i first um came to know of her um during that tv show on cbs persivant person of interest. Oh, okay. You know, she was like the cop and she yeah. had a lot of spunk. She had a lot of attitude and it was good. And then she was um she was in that 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 very famous um big time TV show where she played Cookie. What was it?
1: I don't know. Cookie.
0: Um yeah, um she's in the uh, color the I'll new think, movie the color. It.
1: She's in the new empire. color purple. It was a oh, uh, drama okay. empire on Fox. Yeah. All right. She's a big time actress well, she's a big time actress and now she's angry and sad because she was asked about quitting acting and she said, she's still not paid fairly enough. And she said, enough is enough. She said, this industry will steal your soul. And she broke down in tears. She was on a serious XM radio interview with Gail King while she was promoting her new film, the color purple. And so King asks her, and by the way, um, Taraji P. Henson has been Oscar nominated and Emmy nominated. So King asks her, are you still thinking about quitting acting? And that I guess King had heard rumors of this. And so Henson um, responded by revealing that she's hit her breaking point in Hollywood because she continues to be underpaid. And here's her quote. She said, I'm just tired of working so hard, being gracious at what I do, getting paid a fraction of the cost. I'm tired of hearing my sister say the same thing over and over. You get tired. I hear people go, you work a lot. Well, I have to. The math ain't mathing. When you start working a lot, you have a team. Big bills come with what we do. We don't do this alone. It's a whole team behind us and all those people have to get paid. So when you hear someone go such and such made 10 million, it didn't, that didn't make it to their bank account. Off the top, Uncle Sam is getting 50%. Now I got 5 million. Your team is getting 30% of what you gross. Not after uh, what Uncle Sam took. Now do the math. I'm only human, she said. Every time I do something and break another glass ceiling, when it's time to renegotiate, I'm at the bottom again. Like I never did what I just did and I'm tired. I'm tired. It wears on you. What does this mean? What is this telling me? She said, I can't fight for them coming up behind me. When uh, What the F am I doing? So she said she's nearly sobbing at po- at this point in the interview. She goes on to explain that despite her successes, she still gets told there's not a lot of money on the table because Black actors and stories don't translate overseas, among other excuses. She said, I'm tired of hearing that my entire career, 20 plus years in the game, and I hear the same thing, and I see what you do for another production, but when it's time to go to bat, for us, they don't have enough money. And she said, I'm supposed to smile, and I'm supposed to grin and bear it, and Enough is enough. Wow. Yeah.
0: Kind of sounds like what I've seen in the radio world, too.
1: Well, we'll see if she, you know, hopefully, maybe after she says this, someone understands what she's doing and offers her enough money to make it worth her while to come back. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Um I hate to sound like uh, I hate to doubt that, but I doubt it. Yeah, I know. Um, Pamela, Um Cur- Kirby with $10 super oh, sticker. Pamela. Jack Cat wants Archie to have a
1: full belly. Aww, <laughs> thank you, Jack Cat. That's really nice. Archie Archie says is really thank nice. You guys are really nice. All right. Let's jump into Trivia Thursday. Oh, Hello. Yeah. Here you it want to is. Start it off? Uh you start. Why don't you start this one?
0: Okay. Well, that was actually no, you. just asking no, to delay you. so I could open it up. But I got it. I got oh, it. Okay. Okay. What Christian group? Banned Christmas in Boston from 1659
1: to 1681. Ooh, was it the Puritans?
0: Very good. (gasps) I
1: did. I got it right. Puritans
0: are not fun. Even though the ban on Christmas was lifted in 1681, Christmas didn't become popular in Boston until the mid 19th century. Puritans also suppressed Christmas in England as well during the interregnum. 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 They also just um, suppressed fun, right? Just in general, those Puritans.
1: No oh, fun. really? I did not know this. Huh. Hmm. Yeah, I did not know that at all. Okay. Um. So, let's talk about how some traditions got their start. Uh, and one of these stories, and this is, this is kind of around the world. Ah, uh, who are the uh, the dancers in New York that help celebrate Christmas?
0: The dancers hmm Is it the Rockettes?
1: Yes. Hmm. And do you know what, what state they're from?
0: What state they're from?
1: hmm where they started.
0: Oh, I was like, are they from all different states? They are
1: now, um, but they didn't used to be.
0: Oh, okay. Um, Massachusetts?
1: Oh, close. It's another M state. In Maine. 1925, they were known as the Missouri Rockettes. Oh. And then they went to Radio uh, City Music Hall. And so, yeah, they started in Missouri. I thought that was really interesting. So, yeah.
0: Okay. The French word Noel is often used around Christmas. But what was its original meaning in Latin?
1: Oh. I don't know.
0: Anybody in the chat have this? What is the original Latin meaning of Noel? And while we're waiting, Deborah.
1: Oh, Deborah for Archie.
0: For Archie. <laughs> <laughs> You're good
1: tonight, excellent.
0: Debbie says thank you.
1: Does it mean um, goodwill? No. Nope. Hmm.
0: I'll give it another second here. What is the original Latin meaning of Noel? It is birth.
1: Oh, okay. Earth. So you can see sense. why
0: that's synonymous with Christmas.
1: Um, in what country is the uh, tradition of Jule or Yule practiced? It's a week-long celebration leading up to mm. Christmas, like usually the week before Christmas. Sweden. It's not Sweden, although they may celebrate it as well. Switzerland. No. Norway, you're close but no cigar, my friend. Denmark, no. Finland. Finland is a Finnish tradition. Ah, William this got it. Christmas period has been considered to start the Tuomas name day, December twenty first, and it continues until Saint Newt's Day on January thirteenth. Yes, and they they even have uh, hymns about it as well. The Finnish Christmas is uh, is Yule. Is what, well, the, the week leading up to it is Yule, J-U-L, Yule. Uh,
0: funny thing about Finnish that I, um, the language that I I've uh, learned when I was there, you can just, um, you can say their words. Like you just say them out, like out loud, like read them, right? So there's a lot of extra letters, like a lot of I's, you know, like I, 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 things like right. that. But you can, you can just say it the way it's spelled.
1: Oh, well, it's that's kind of easy. Yeah. How very, okay. un- how very un-American.
0: What Roman holiday held from December 17th to the 23rd had a large influence on how Christmas was celebrated?
1: What 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 Roman
0: holiday held from December 17th Mm. to the 23rd? It's not not, (laughs) Toyota-thon. It's not Honda days. Hmm.
1: A Roman holiday? I don't know. Uh, I have John's no idea. it
0: i It's, it's, saturnalia. Sa, it's oh. saturnalia close enough. We'll okay. Well, John. that's interesting. Huh. Gary with $10 super sticker. Thank you, Gary. What?
1: That's Thank really you so cool. Much. Mm-hmm. We appreciate Gary. So let's talk about the the legend of Saint Nick. And the question uh is that um Let's see. St. Nicholas. We know he was born into wealth, but in what country is he buried?
0: Oh, he said he was in the 1%? Yeah, he was. Um,
1: We just 100%. talked about this the other day. Turkey? What... No. Mm-mm.
0: That's not where he was... isn't he from there?
1: No. And they say it might be more than one place. So You have two answers. Oh. He might be from Turkey. They're not sure.
0: I don't know then anybody in the chat anybody maybe? in the chat now germany italy switzerland
1: hmm the tomb of saint nicholas is in uh well they say one that is say says myra county kilkenny ireland another What's... one says that it is actually that part of his body um is buried in newtown jurpoint and sister in Sister and Jer Point Abbey. So, can't forget Wait,
0: about my... pals. was that the
1: name of... Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Uh, what was this? Can't forget about my pals at 1 p.m.? Yeah, oh, Gary,
0: giving us the $10. Thank, thank
1: you, you Gary. Gary. That's really nice. Um,
0: Did you... Wait, what was the last location that you gave? Was there a city in there? Or
1: it's just... Newtown Jer Point, founded what? by... Uh, I don't know. Is that a
0: town? Yeah. Is that a town? It's
1: a, it's a town. Mm-hmm. In what
0: city? In what uh, country?
1: Uh, It is in... I think you said it's
0: Ireland, in... and then you said... Yeah.
1: I think it's in Ireland. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. This is so confusing.
0: I hate to say that this question is suspect, but I'm, I know <laughs> I'm not supposed to ask questions. But
1: well, I read another story that said it was uh, somewhere else, and now the answer's not popping up. So I'll I'll go. I'm going with Ireland. Yeah,
0: that still doesn't sound right to me. Um, but you know, I'm not supposed to ask questions. No. Moving along, among Christians who lived in the East, when was Christmas originally celebrated? What day uh... among Christians who lived in the East? December so, 1st? No, this would be like your Orthodox oh. Christians. Hmm. Think wise men. Think insurrection.
1: Is it Jerusalem?
0: Oh, no, no, wait, no, what date? date?
1: What date? I don't, I said, I don't know. I don't know that. Think
0: Janu- January January. 6th. I said something. Is it, oh, the insurrection. Yeah. yeah okay. Insurrection. Yeah. I'm Paul sorry. Got it.
1: Um, Cogno, C-O-U-G-N-O-U, is a sweet festive bread baked over the Christmas period across Europe. It is made in the form of what? Is it a Christmas tree, a star, the baby Jesus, or like a braided plate? Cogno.
0: I was going to say a cross. Can you give me the options again?
1: Is it a Christmas tree? Is it a star? Is it the baby Jesus... Or You're is gonna say it a star, a plate. Hmm.
0: No, not a star.
1: Uh, hold on. I have to go down to the answers.
0: Oh, you don't have the answer. <laughs> I
1: didn't get the answer. It is in the form of the baby Jesus.
0: Oh, the baby Jesus.
1: The sweet baby Jesus. That's right. Mm-hmm. That seems complicated. Yeah. Well, make it. That's why I believe the professionals doing it in Europe.
0: What political cartoonist is largely responsible for defining what the modern Santa Claus looks like?
1: A political cartoonist. Yeah. Well, didn't it start with Coca-Cola?
0: No, that's um, that's an urban legend.
1: Oh. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, I don't have the uh, names of political cartoonists popping up in my head randomly.
0: Yeah. Um, let's see. Thomas Nast. Thomas Nast. Oh. Uh, okay. He drew a picture of Santa Claus for the January 1st, 1881 issue of Harper's Weekly. And um, while we're talking, I'll see if I can get a... Have
1: Didn't he work for The New Yorker as well? I don't know. I seem to remember the name now that you uh, say it. it. It's says
0: Harper's here. Um, okay. I don't have his uh, complete CV in front of me. But here's a, here's the here's the drawing. This was in Harper's Weekly. Um, and then the rest of the media ran with it. It became the visual prototype of the santa claus that we all know and love he also drew yeah. an earlier version of santa claus in the january 3rd 1863 issue of harper's weekly but it didn't resemble modern santa claus as much as this drawing did
1: what a great picture yeah it looks a little
0: creepy is that a child is that an actual child
1: or is it's it a, a doll. doll i think it's a doll. Oh, it? i yeah. hope that's a doll yeah <laughs> it looks a little creepy which country created eggnog france italy england or australia uh england Hey, you have to just let me get down to the answers again. Hold on. All right. It was, what did you say it was? I said England. And you would be correct. Yes.
0: Um, Sandy got it as well.
1: Well done, Sandy.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Next up. In what decade did NORAD, the North American Aerospace Defense Command, start tracking Santa on Christmas Eve? Mm. So we're looking for the decade.
1: 70s? Nope. Hmm. 1946.
0: Nope, too early. Oh. We're looking for the decade.
1: The 50s.
0: There what? you go. <laughs> Specifically 1955. Uh, so those New Year's, or not New Year's, <laughs> Christmas Eve in 1955. And it's continued ever every year since. Um, in 2004, Google started tracking Santa
1: as well. Mold wine is referred to by all of these terms in some areas of the world except grog, vinshoud, wasel, or glue Mold wine is referred to by all of these terms in some area of the world, except for this one. This is one of these is wrong. Okay. One of these things is go, not like go the slow. Others. Go slow. Grog. Vin C H A U D, Vin Shoud, wasail, W A S S A I L, or gluvine, Vine, G-L-U-H-W-E-I-N.
0: Uh, the first one.
1: Grog. It's not referred to as grog. Yeah. Hmm. Anybody else? No. The answer is uh hold on. You gotta look for the answer. Sorry, you guys. <laughs> this, this is a really... for
0: great, great radio when you hear the answer. <laughs> is a really
1: you. long website. It's not my fault. Well, it is kind of my yeah. fault. All right. See, the answer is that it is actually you're incorrect. It is Wasail. W A S S A I L What
0: is Wasail? Does it yeah. say? Yeah. Or do you have no, to scroll team.
1: three? You have pages? To scroll all the way down. down. All the way down the... it's really hard. It's very oh, confusing. Jesus Christ. But the the questions are good, so I like it.
0: Um what animal parts uh were the first artificial Christmas trees made from?
1: Mm, what rib, animal, what rib animal bones? Parts? Nope. Mm.
0: What animal parts were the first artificial Christmas trees made from? Uh, John Slade says antlers? Nope. That's Pauline a good says, answer. Bones? Nope. Mama says uh Antlers as well. Pinky says guts. Nope.
1: Is it leather skin?
0: Nope. Nope. Huh. Gordon says rainwear. Well, close. I mean, it is considered rainwear for a lot of animals. Uh, Calvin's close with hair. I'll give it to you. Goose feathers. Goose oh. feathers painted green. The feathers. These feather trees were the first made in Germany during the 19th century. Another form of artificial Christmas tree were wooden pyramids painted green and lit by candles. Cool. That's a yeah. good question. Thank uh, you, Lee cop. Lee cop Ten dollars, <laughs> Eileen and I couldn't Aww. resist your Archie appeal video. <laughs> Thank you. That was we really put good. a lot. Of, we put a lot of work into that.
1: In Australia and New Zealand, what do they normally eat for Christmas lunch?
0: Christmas lunch. Yeah. I feel like I just saw this in a video or something. Um. No, I I don't know.
1: Anybody mm-hmm. in the chat know what do they normally eat for Christmas lunch kind of one of their tr- yes as a matter of fact mama day three boys gets it oh it is barbecue okay Absolutely. yeah I did see
0: a video yeah. about that but I the problem yeah. is like I'll see like movies and then forget what they're about I'll forget I'll see a video explaining something and forget what it's about
1: huge thank you to Nick, Nick 25 bucks uh thanks, uh, thanks Kim and John bucks. happy holidays everyone happy holidays you to you Nick thank you very much thank really you so nice. much Dingo. Archie's getting some extra treats yes that's funny let's see next
0: question what was the first year that the rockefeller center christmas tree was put up
1: oh um 1948
0: uh earlier than that
1: 1923
0: later than that
1: Mm, 1932
0: very close Mm, okay slight bump 38 no slight bump you're at 32
1: 35 Uh, Less of a bump. 34.
0: Much less of a bump.
1: I'm going to say 33.
0: There you go. (laughs) Got it. Took a while to get there as you're scrolling. which, uh, 1933 was the year the 30 Rockefeller Plaza opened up. There was a story story of workers putting up a tree on Christmas Eve 1931 during the construction, um, but there was no tree in 1932 and the tree in 1933 was the first official Rockefeller Center Christmas tree.
1: So interesting. The term... Xmas with an X comes from which language? Greek. Yes, I thought that was harder than it, you know, it seemed. Um,
0: well, it has to do with the symbol. I think doesn't it refer to Christ. Yeah, Maybe. It's like the yeah. letters. The, the letters. It's an X. It's some. It's a Greek letter that kind of looks like an X. All like right. That. See, I kind of remember things. Vilma says Archie is a rainmaker. Yeah, Archie. (laughs) Pimping out my cat for dollars. And he gets his cut. Get it? His cut. Turkey, chicken. (laughs) Um, What country is the poinsettia with its red and green foliage native to? Mexico. Wow. I didn't know that. It derives its English name from Joel Roberts Poinsett, the first U.S. minister to Mexico. He introduced the plant to the U.S. in 1825.
1: According to the astronomer George Banos, 1979 academic paper, what exactly was the star of Bethlehem the wise men were following? The North Star? <laughs> no.
0: Was it like Mars or something?
1: Yeah, it's Uranus.
0: Oh, we had a picture <laughs> of Uranus. <laughs> I know.
1: It's Uranus, yeah, that's true. Um.
0: That's kind of funny. Okay, my last question. What large former retail outlet commissioned and published Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? I think somebody asked this in the chat earlier today. What large former retail outlet commissioned and published Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer?
1: Was it Macy's?
0: No, former. Got to listen to that question. Uh, What large former retail outlet commissioned and published Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Former. It's out of business. Woolworths? Nope. Mama got it.
1: Montgomery Ward! Oh, Yes, they
0: ordered a new Christmas book to be made so that they could hand them out for free to customers, which would be cheaper than buying and giving away coloring books for Christmas as they had done in the past. They gave the task to Robert L. May, who wrote Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in 1939. In a surprisingly generous gesture, Montgomery Ward gave May the copyright for Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. That's cool. I'm sure his... uh, if you had kids, they appreciated
1: yeah. that. In the Ukraine in Ukraine, they use um they use fake spider webs instead of what? Tinsel. Yes. You knew that?
0: No, I just used logic.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't even have to scroll for it either.
1: Here's my last one. What okay. has been the world's heaviest Christmas present? France gave it to America.
0: A Statue of Liberty.
1: That's right yeah not bad. um, last question. Oh, I it. thought
0: that was your last question.
1: Oh, uh, it was supposed to be, but I like this one too. Um, what country does stolen come from? s t o l l e n yeah. And what's the most popular Christmas dessert in New Zealand?
0: Christmas dessert in New Zealand? I wasn't yeah. there for Christmas, and uh, don't have Belinda number handy uh, figgy pudding
1: pavlova have you ever had pavlova
0: i don't think so it's really Pavlovian good. responses
1: mm-hmm. um shortbread is traditionally made before christmas where does it originate from
0: i thought that was the last question and the last question this
1: can be the last one okay. shortbread where does it come from um, i'm trying to make up for my crappy santa question earlier
0: shortbread sounds like a british thing close Irish,
1: Mm-mm. French, Scottish, uh, or, and thus concludes play. around the world Thursday trivia on but the After also Party Live.
0: Concludes the After Party. Oh no! Earth really? Thursday. and we have so many people oh. to thank. Yeah. We want you to guys thank. Are
1: awesome. I Pauline. want to thank a lot of people. Yep.
0: Thank you, Pauline. We appreciate it. Doug. Thank you, Doug. Appreciate Doug. Aussie Rules.
1: Aussie Rules. Woo!
0: Thank you, Aussie Rules. Uh, Karen.
1: Karen, thank thank you. you. Pamela Kirby. Pamela Kirby. Kirby. Archie, thanks you as well.
0: Uh, Deborah B. For Archie. And Gary D. Thank you so much. And Lee. Thank you. And Nick.
1: Thank you, guys.
0: Thank you you so much. And then we have our regular contributors. Who are those, Kim?
1: Those would be JS a new contributor, and then ongoing contributor Square, Paul T, Deidre L, and Robin F. Thank you guys for helping make the show what it is. We appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much. That's it yeah. for Thursday. And we'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you on Mark Thompson's show for Friday Fabulous Florida.
1: Absolutely. We'll see you then. And then we'll see you right back here on the After Party Live. Please click the like button on your way out and click subscribe if you haven't already. And thank you so much for being here. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you
0: for your generosity. Have a great yeah. afternoon, everyone. The After Party Live would like to thank the following contributors and viewers like you. The After Party Live is underwritten by our audience and without you, this show wouldn't be possible. For a dollar a day, you could help feed a very moody three-year-old cat with a taste for turkey and chicken. Every day across this world, cats go 30 minutes without food and don't know where to turn. Any dollar amount is appreciated and it all adds up. The PayPal link can be found in the About section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. Thank you for your consideration. Are you hungry? You want food?